Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone, and this week we'll be talking about the 2019 horror film The Curse of La Llorona, directed by Michael Chavez and starring Linda Cardellini, Raymond Cruz, and Patricia Velasquez. Um, and this is the story of a mother who has to save her children from an evil spirit. Um, so Brian, I, I didn't realize this, but this is actually based on a true uh, mythology or, or legend. Did you look into that much? Yeah, the folklore of La Llorona or the Weeping Woman. Yeah, apparently there have already been like a number of movies done on her, and she's been like featured in a number of things. Yeah, yeah, I did not did not realize that. It's Mexican folklore. I know, for first time I heard of it. Yeah, apparently the story is, it sounds like there's a few different versions of the story, but it's basically a woman who, it sounds like the main version is a woman who loses and or kills her children as a revenge against her cheating husband and then is still mourning them and looking for other children to replace them, or her spirit is. Yeah, she goes around looking for other children. And I guess if you hear her crying, you're supposed to run in the opposite direction, not towards her. Yeah. As, as the legend <laughs> goes. <laughs> uh, so I, I think this one, they started building some buzz around like a few months ago. This was featured in a lot of uh, movies as, as a trailer. And it had a pretty uh, scary trailer, which, you know, produced by James Wan. And that scene, I think it was like the kids in the car. Is that what you remember? Yeah, I remember the car scene and a bathtub scene. Yeah, two kind of pretty iconic scenes from this movie and, yeah. and really touted it in the trailer. Speaking of, of James Wan, who I, I think is a big selling point for this film, I didn't realize he's his like first film was Saw. Did you know that? I did know that, yeah. That's crazy. I, I was associated with like The Conjuring and like just more kind of ghost stories. It just seems so uncharacteristic of him to be doing Saw, but I, I guess that was him. Yeah, because he, like The Conjuring franchise, well, he only... He produced in some way, shape, or form all the Conjuring franchise, but um, sure, the Conjuring universe. But he only directed one and two, and then he directed Insidious and Dead Silence. And yeah, yeah. I feel like those are kind of Conjuring esque too. But yeah, Saw is pretty different. Although I've I've never seen Dead Silence. Yeah, I haven't either. It sounds like uh, the reviews weren't great for that. And then you, the most you know, recently, I, and we, I know we kind of knocked it or brushed it aside in a an early episode, but I've been hearing more and more people on Twitter come to that movie's defense. To Dead Silence? Yeah. Oh, uh, which neither of us have seen, right? Yeah, so yeah. maybe we'll check that out someday. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's kind of picked up a cult following despite not being a, a great movie. Yeah. Out of the gate. Uh, and, and then James Wan, I feel like most recently he's been doing like bigger budget films. I think he did Aquaman last year. So, yep. um, interesting to see more in this producer role now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, um, maybe in our Mercy Black episode, I don't know if we said it as a fact or just accidentally kind of made it sound like, um, the Conjuring universe movies were included in the Bloomhouse production oh, yeah. group. And these are under James Wan's production company, Atomic Monster Productions. So the, the Conjuring franchise, or universe rather, is The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, The Nun, and this movie, The Curse of La Llorona. Yeah. This, this was barely part of that universe. Like, I feel like the overlap with those stories was so minimal. Like, it's almost like they threw it in just to say, oh, look, it's connected. But it's like a standalone scene that connects it pretty much. Yeah, it's almost like a little bit more than an Easter egg, really. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I like the whole idea that they're creating this universe. It's kind of like the Marvel universe, uh, except it's like, yeah, eight or nine. or Yeah, it's a, a, a handful of scary movies that are somewhat connected. Yeah. Date back. yeah, I think there are six out, and then Conjuring oh, okay. 3 comes out next year, Annabelle Comes Home comes out this year, and then there are two other movies in development, I think. Jesus, how are they making so many Annabelle movies? And, and I guess The Nun was also a part of it. Yeah, yeah, and The Nun, I think, might have another installment. Who's who's watching all these? Have you seen half of these? I have probably seen half of them. That That's probably <laughs> accurate. I've seen both Conjurings and the first Annabelle. I haven't seen Annabelle Creation or The Nun. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they're worth checking out. Um, this one, uh, if so if we do consider that this is part of that universe, I feel like in the marketing and in the title and everything, this one seems very like targeted towards like a, the Hispanic uh, audience. Would, would you say that's a fair statement? You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah. Um, which I kind of like built up my expectations for. And I was a little disappointed to see like not that much representation given, you know, like that, that angle that they let it on with. But I, I kind of feel like they were goading that audience a bit. Yeah. And I think I read somewhere that the audience percentage was pretty high in terms of the, in terms of Latin Americans. Oh, Latinos. yeah. Right. Oh, and in terms of like how many went out to see it or how many liked it? How many went out to see it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good move on their part to cater to that, but I'm not sure if the story and uh, the cast really held up to what what they were pitching it to be. Um, yeah, I kind of didn't realize that um, Linda Cardellini, the the main character, is not Hispanic. Yeah, no, she's like uh, I mean Cardellini. I I figured she's like Italian, but yeah, even like reading the plot on this, it's like there's a line in there like, oh, Mexican uh, born. Uh, Linda Cardellini or whatever her, whatever her character's name is. So it's almost like they made, uh, whitewashed the this main character who's supposed to be Mexican-born. Um, seems kind of a little bit controversial. Was she supposed to be Mexican-born? Because her character's name It's hyphenated. Is, I don't remember her last name now, but it's like something like Anna Smith-Cruz. Uh, yeah, something Dash Garcia, maybe. Yeah, there you go. So I think her initial, her maiden name was not, was like a... Yeah, pretty English sounding. You you might be right. That, that was my understanding too. Like I, I know uh, in, in this movie she's widowed, um, and uh, she like yeah her husband's last name was Garcia. So yeah, I, I kind of figured that yeah okay fine she's uh, not you know if she's not Hispanic maybe her husband was but yeah for some reason on Wikipedia it says that uh, she was Mexican born which that didn't seem like to be the case. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't seem to add up. Yeah. Uh, I read a funny story that this movie, uh, the, uh, it was played and its previews were played to a bunch of kids in Canada who went to see Detective Pikachu. Did you hear about this? <laughs> I did. I did hear about that. <laughs> Is this like the second movie we've heard like that? Something like that's happened. Yep. Ah, that cracks me up, man. <laughs> Whoever is doing that has a great sense of humor. <laughs> it's good. Um, this movie has been doing really well at the box office. Oh yeah, yeah, it's killing it. Like 113 million on a budget yeah, of a nine budget million. Of like nine million. Yeah, yeah. It's and doing this well. is Michael Chavez's first uh, feature film. Right, and he's going to be doing Conjuring Three. It sounds like. Yep. Good, good for him. Yeah, this guy kind of. I don't know how he came across this this break, but yeah, it's a yeah. big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably 
got a long career after this. Um, were you familiar with any? It sounds like he's been like a TV director in the past. Have you have you seen anything that he's done? No, no, and I think he's done quite a few short films. Or okay. I, I guess maybe like three or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool feature length uh, debut film, um, which is pretty good. Um, yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes, I think it only has a thirty percent. So not wowing too many critics, I guess. Yeah, I feel like this movie kind of, we'll talk more about it in the review, but you kind of have come to expect a certain thing from these movies. Yeah. And I think that it kind of delivered what what I expected, at least. Yeah, I don't know. When I think about like uh, The Conjuring and Insidious, I, I feel like a lot of what made those successful is like great casting and like great chemistry between the characters and there's like a lot of humor too, but I'm not sure. I, so that's kind of what I was expecting in this one. Um, is, is that kind of what you were expecting too? I think I was kind of expecting something of the Annabelle caliber where mm. it just is like B, B team conjuring type stuff. Sure. Like I really did like the first two conjuring movies, but yeah. Annabelle kind of made me think, okay, this is what, it's basically what the conjuring is, but not as good. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is B material conjuring. Yeah, just like a real jump scare heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is this, this one is it, it kind of really heavy based on that, uh, yeah. relying on the, those jump scares. Um, well, cool. Uh, so before we dive into the review, uh, any any other stats to add or any other interesting points? Oh, I'll just add that. Uh, so on on pace with the weeping woman or La Llorona, it seems like the you know, a ghostly figure of a woman crying is kind of a theme throughout different cultures, like mm-hmm. the Virgin Mary crying and stuff like that. Yeah. And in a Christian bookstore in Reading, Ohio, there's a statue of the Virgin Mary that is supposedly weeping. Ah, interesting. Have people seen the ghost of her? No ghostly sightings, but they've seen the tears. Okay. <laughs> the actual tears. <laughs> These are like pictures of, of like Jesus that start crying. Is it similar to that? Yeah, it's. I, I think I've read that a lot of times this can, well, you can straight up make a hoax. Like, you can buy a statue that cries. Oh. <laughs> um, but also, I water. think sometimes the material that a statue is made out of can cause some temperature differences and result in condensation. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. I don't so care if that's the case, I mean, it would be hard not to have your mind blown. Yeah, I know. <laughs> See some moisture on your statue? Yeah, uh, yeah. I I don't get what's so scary about a, a crying woman, but I, I guess in, in this one they try to get, yeah get a lot of scares out of that. So if you hear a woman crying from your closet tonight, you won't be scared. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I, yeah, I guess I well, um, no, I, I guess you're right. Yeah, that does sound. It sounds kind of scary. It just yeah. sounds really depressing more than scary. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish we lived in the same city. I would. I would scare the shit out of you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's good. Good thing we're at a distance here. It keeps us safe. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, good. Good Ohio connection. Uh, anything? Anything else to add here? No, that's really all I got. I'm, I'm ready to move on to the plot. All right. Well, uh, speaking of people crying in closets, I feel like I hear someone crying in the closet in in my bedroom. So I'm gonna go ch- right. uh, take a this look. That, that's not you, is it? <laughs> no, I mean I'm here. Okay, you're crying in a closet over there. <laughs> <laughs> here in my own closet. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go investigate, see what's going on here. 
I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be right back. All right, Brian, I'm back. Yeah? Yeah, you know, I went in my closet, and uh, La Llorona was there, and she was crying about how bad of a job they did in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> she was just so disappointed in it. This was their big break. I know, yeah, she thought she was going to see, uh, yeah, break, break it, She's become very get famous. get those kids her. going to the Pikachu movie. <laughs> exactly. Make them her own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was just kind of bummed out that it didn't work out. <laughs> Uh, all right, so d- diving into the plot for this movie. Uh, oh, so we sh- I don't think we've mentioned yet. We got to get better at mentioning for new listeners that we're going to spoil everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers ahead as we dive into the plots of La Llorona. So uh, this movie kicks off with a scene from 300 years ago. Uh, there's a family and the- there are these children playing in a field, and suddenly one of the kids opens his eyes and the whole family is missing. He goes looking for them, and he finds the mother is drowning his siblings in uh, this river, and then she comes running after him, and then the, the camera cuts. Um, so that was, that was kind of an interesting opening sequence. D- did you like that? Yeah, I thought that was actually a pretty haunting opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the way they made the mother out to be. Did you Have you seen uh, Avengers Endgame yet? No, not yet. I'm going to wait for the VOD on that one. I'm not as excited about the rest of the world. <laughs> as the yeah. rest of the world sure sure I, I share your enthusiasm there but uh, it's very very similar actually to the, the opening for that movie where they're playing out in a park and then one of the kids just this, the family just kind of disappears I, I just thought that was funny it's kind of back to back oh gotcha and uh, Linda Cardellini's in that too oh yeah you're right yeah good call yeah she's actually become I, I feel like she's in a lot she's in this new Netflix show um, she's all over the place she was in Green Book Oh, yeah, right, right. Good year for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so then the movie jumps 300 years in the future. It's L.A. in the 70s, which I, I like that as part of, like, The Conjuring and Insidious that they always, like, take place in kind of, like, you know, throwback 60s, 70s. Is Annabelle that way, too? Yeah, I like the set design of all that stuff and the, uh, the production design and stuff like that. Um, I think Annabelle... It would only make sense that it would have been, but I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think you're right, because there's a character in this who's like familiar with Annabelle, so I imagine it, might, it must take place back, back then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're in L.A. in the 70s, and we're introduced to Anna, who's played by Linda Cardellini. Uh, she's a recently widowed caseworker and a mother of two, um, and according to Wikipedia, Mexican-born, but I, I really don't think so. Um She's following up on a case where uh, two kids haven't shown up to school, so she goes to their house and finds that the mother has locked the kids in a closet, and the mother's telling uh, Anna, like, whatever you do, don't open that door. But uh, the police come and take the mother away, and Anna opens the door and finds the two kids in there and sends them off to a child care facility. Um, nothing too scary there, right? No, maybe some suspense. Yeah, yeah, you kind of think, I guess, the mother's going to kill Anna for a second, which maybe she does yeah. try to, yeah. Uh, but then that night at the facility, the kids wake up, and uh, they walk into the hallway, one's like kind of sleepwalking, and suddenly in the mirror, they see this woman in white, and it, the mirror cracks, and there's water on the ground, and then 
uh, you know, it flashes to this woman in white just kind of screaming at them. And, and I guess that's La Llorona. Uh, so th- th- what did you think of this? Was it pretty scary? You know, I thought that was actually maybe one of the more scary scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. It could have been just that I wasn't completely desensitized to La Llorona yet. Yeah, I mean, this is like the first time we're really seeing the ghost of her come. Yeah. So, uh, th- yeah, that was kind of a cool sequence. Yeah, and the the walking down the hallway and the lighting. It, it was a well-done sequence. I don't I don't think the director made any huge mistakes in this movie. Uh okay. Well, it just, <laughs> yeah, you mean like in in terms of like uh how each like scene was shot or uh, Yeah, we, like yeah, the way things were shot um uh, maybe <sighs> yeah. In general, okay. I found the movie underwhelming, but I didn't see any glaring errors on the, that I could pinpoint to Michael Chavez, at least. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, and this was like a kind of a, a cool opening scare. I, I mean, following the, the introduction, like this was a cool way to like bring the ghost back and, and yeah. show that. Uh, and and I, I like the effect of like the mirror cracking, water on the ground. Uh, and, and La Llorona, I feel like her makeup was done pretty well, too. Uh, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more to come on that. We each just passively, aggressively disagreed with each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, this should be fun. Uh, so uh, later that night, Anna gets a call uh, that the kids are dead. She has to go. She takes her family with her for some reason. Well, I guess she's she has to take uh, the two kids with her. For some stupid reason, she didn't yeah. leave her kids home alone. Yeah, for some reason, she doesn't trust them on there. So she takes the two kids with her uh, to the, the river, and uh, the two kids are dead there. She's talking to the police, and uh, the mother's there and saying, like, oh, this is all your fault. You let Lyrona out, and now she's going to come after you or whatever. So she's pretty upset. Um, meanwhile, the kids are waiting in the car, and then um, Lyrona kind of attacks them. Uh, she grabs the hand of, of the boy, and uh, she starts, like, messing with the car, putting the locks up and pulling the window down. So this is a famous scene from the preview. Um, I, I thought this was a pretty well done, uh, scary scene. What, what did you think? Yeah, agree. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to see them in a different setting because so much of the rest of the movie takes place in the house. Uh, this is cool, kind of in, in a car. Getting right, right. That might be um, that might be part of why it got so tiring at, after a while, the same setting. Yeah, yeah. But right. yeah, it was so, nice to have some of these other skating, settings. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so then after this, basically the family goes back to the house, and the rest of the movie, they're being stalked by La Llorona uh, in the house. Uh, they're seeing her around, they're being attacked by her, she's coming, like, grabbing their arms and, like, screaming at them, which is basically her attack move, which I, I think that got really old pretty quick, right? <laughs> Saying it's her attack move is... Uh, that I think you nailed it. It's almost like a pre-programmed move in a video game because it's the exact same thing every time we see her. I know. It's like over and they'll over. they'll move and then all of a sudden she's in the in the shot and then her jaw just drops open. Yeah, and she starts she screaming screams and yeah. the music hits. And yeah. it's just like, "Oh my gosh, this is like an animatronic with not <laughs> it's CGI." But it yeah. looks like a like Chuck E. Cheese robot that's just yeah. like yeah, they programmed it to do like one thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they got, got kind of old. Like, yeah, it's like somebody in the background is pressing like up, up, down, down, left, right, A, B, A, B. Yeah, special move attack. Go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. She's Scream doing the attack. thing. Yeah, <laughs> but it's an effective attack because when she does it, she burns uh, your wrists, 
which you know how many how many times can be burned on the wrist? I mean, you you only have two of them, so. Well, that's when she touches you. Yeah, yeah, right. When she touches that's you, that's back, burn. back, forward, A, B, <laughs> start. Exactly, <laughs> the wrist burner. Uh, so yeah, you, you see you see some of these scenes, but you know, as Brian, so they they're kind of repetitive in terms of like how she shows up and how she scares you, and uh, it, it gets a little uh, yeah, it, it gets a little mundane after a while. But so, and the other frustrating thing is like, you know, first the, the, the boy sees her, sees her, then the daughter sees her, and then the mother at some point like sees her. So they all like see her, but none of them are like telling each other like, hey, I think there's this woman in the house that's like trying to kill us all. And this like just goes on where they're just like, hey, are you okay? And they just kind of like look into the distance and like don't say anything really. Uh, did, did that part frustrate you at all? Yes, I have that written down right here. Basically... <laughs> It's basically something that happens in so many horror movies where you're screaming at the TV and the characters aren't using much logic, but it's yeah. pretty egregious in this movie. Stuff like that. Nobody telling anybody what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know. When it's like very pertinent information and just leaving your kids alone. She's very bad. Everybody's <laughs> very bad at making sure they're all together. Yeah, like, yeah. They'll be in the middle of a seance and it's like, hey, where's a whoever like where's Chris and it's like yeah yeah no for sure there's a lot of dumb moves here and then yeah people are just not like communicating or talking to each other yeah um I also I also wonder like I mean uh so Anna's like a caseworker and so she works with you know parents and and, you know who are uh who are troubled or like you know abusing their children and then because La Llorona when she touches you she burns your wrist uh at one point like a caseworker comes and they think that Anna is maybe like abusing her children um, do you think they were trying to hit on some uh, subtle like messaging there about like uh, child abuse or anything, or probably not? No, I think they were just trying to create some additional suspense and maybe a feeling of isolation from the main character. Mm. Yeah, like some diversion. Yeah, I guess maybe he's just adding some depth and complication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good attempt. Um, so I don't think it was a PSA or anything. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. But I, I don't know, because there's a scene where Anna's, like, sitting there drinking a lot of wine, and, and you know, she's sitting there with, like, a, an, an ex, or a cop that was friends with her husband, and then, like, the next night they come back, and they think, like, uh, you know, she's been abusing her children. So I thought they were maybe painting her, or, yeah, drawing her as potentially, like, this drunk who's, like, uh, you know, hurting her children. But, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that was just to add a lure of tension there. We'll let this be the Ashvin theory for this episode, that in reality there is no La Llorona. And- yeah. She's beating her kids. Yeah, in reality, it was La Lola Arona, and she was just beating her kids. <laughs> That's what was going on there. Uh, so, yeah, so they're, they're desperate now, and they come to the realization there's that bathtub scene where uh, the, the daughter gets attacked and almost drowned by La Arona, and, uh, the, you know, finally the whole family's like, oh, you know, there actually is a ghost, and we're, we're scared. So uh, they try to get a priest to come, um, but he refers them to an ex-priest who's Father Raphael. And he, I think, is like one of the only actors of like Mexican descent in this film. Uh, but he comes and uh, they start doing, I don't know, would you call this an exorcism? Or what are they doing, a seance? Yeah, um, something in between a seance and an exorcism. I feel like there's a word for it that I can't recall right now. Yeah, it's, I guess, you know, this, they, they, they recognize that the house is, well, it's not just the house, they're kind of being haunted by La Llorona, who's come to steal the children, and they need to, like, kind of banish her somehow. So, 
he does like a number of like traditions. He's got, uh, you know, he's familiar with La Llorona, so he has like a bottle of her tears. He has this wood from a tree that when, uh, you know, this mother back 300 years ago like killed her kids, there was like this tree called a fire tree that had, uh, that was like witness to her doing this. And now like, you know, that, that tree is like the only thing that can like protect them or hurt them. So there's a sequence at the house where they're, you know, kind of battling her and there's some dumb moves made again where like, yeah, that when the kids go missing or one like kind of tries to sneak outside and grab this uh, teddy bear and foils the whole plot. So there's, there's some ups and downs here. But That was a real stupid move. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because she abandons her kids like while all this like crazy stuff is going on. It's like run down in the basement and grab a hammer or something. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, just really weird. Um, so then, uh, oh yeah. So, uh, finally at the end, the kids are up in the attic and La Llorona's there and, and is like about to kill them, but, um, they hold out like a necklace of hers and she kind of stops and remembers who she was. But then this mirror kind of, uh, she sees a mirror that like shows her what she actually looks like and she goes to kill them. But this time the mother comes and stabs her in the heart with uh, a, a cross that's made out of the fire tree. And that apparently kills her. Which That did it. Yeah, I guess you just needed a good stab. Um, so, Sometimes we all just need a good stab. True. <laughs> with a fire tree cross. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she she's banished. Uh, and, and basically they thank Father Raphael. And he goes, um, what, did, what did you think of Father Raphael? Horrible. I thought he was the most glaring, obvious error in the movie. Really? I thought he was, like, the only character who added, like, any sense of, like, the humor that we've come to expect in The Conjuring and in Insidious. He, like, he, was, he was, like, the only one that kind of broke the mold a little bit. I think his character was written that way, but I think he was poorly cast, and I do not think he did a good job acting. Like, yeah, he was supposed to be this kind of... I don't even know how to describe him. Like a badass who didn't like give a shit, but was also kind of like tongue in cheek and funny. Sure. Yeah. He just, he whiffed it for me. This is Tuco from Breaking Bad, by the way. Yeah, it is Tuco from Breaking Bad. And he's still like very much Tuco in this, I feel like. He's he's very like stiff. Um, And yeah, his jokes are kind of like a dad uh, telling like jokes here and there. Like dad jokes. Yeah, but he's so stiff. God. Yeah. It just, it whiffed for me. I appreciated what they were going for and I... Like, I can just envision being a screenwriter and watching this play out in the yeah. final cut of the movie and being like, that is not what we were going for. But <laughs> but who knows? Maybe it was. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I was just so desperate for, like, some character that is, like, interesting or engaging or funny that, like, I, I appreciated his, like, maybe he had, like, three jokes or something um, that were just basically, like, one-liners of him being like, oh, I wasn't scared or I was scared or something. Um, but yeah. you're right, it, it was like very stoic and, and flat uh, in the delivery. Um, and he, do you think he's like supposed to be someone like the the father in The Exorcist? Or, where he's, or like the ex, well, I guess he was still a father in The Exorcist, but like some guy who's kind of shrugged off religion and now is like back and, and making it work for himself? Um, maybe a little bit, but I, I don't know. I mean, The Exorcist had the whole story where he was kind of finding his faith again, and this guy never really lost his faith. He had just True. disagreed with the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we wouldn't even get much backstory on this guy overall. No, we don't. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and by the way, the so you said they go to a priest who then recommends this guy to them, and that priest is the father from 
the Conjuring movies, or is he in Annabelle, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of those. Or maybe a few of them. He's, and he, mm-hmm. uh, he's like, I never believed in any of this stuff until I had an experience with a doll, and they show a flashback <laughs> of Annabelle. Yeah, yeah, and that's like so the that's one our, connection to the whole Conjuring. One and only Conjuring connection, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, him as a character. True. I almost wonder if, like, they shot this whole movie and they're like, oh, let's go back and add this one scene so that I can tie to this whole franchise that we're trying to build. Well, apparently there was a deleted scene, so at the end of the movie, they give the necklace to Tuco, or Raphael. Oh. Um, Mm -hmm. And he, in a deleted scene, says, like, thanks, I know a couple um, in New York that'll hold hold on to stuff like this or that can keep something like this safe. Sure, referring Which to the Warrens. The, the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren, but they, they cut that. I think they thought it was a little too on the nose. Ah, man. Which I don't think it would have been. Yeah, I, I don't see how that's different than having like one uh, random scene about a priest who was from another movie on there. Yeah, yeah, I think like, it would have been fine. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think it adds or takes anything away from the movie. Sure, sure. I, there was definitely a lot of uh, conjecture conjecture. Uh, shortly after this came out, of why they didn't market it as a Conjuring movie. They they didn't market it? Because I feel like a lot of people, when I'd mentioned this movie, they that was like the first thing they'd say, like, oh, is that part of the Conjuring universe? So th- that wasn't part of the marketing at all? I think, I mean, people could figure it out, because that guy is in, that priest is in the preview, so if you recognize him, you might know. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's by the same production team. Yeah. But they didn't lean on it. It wasn't, Annabelle wasn't in the previews or anything like that. Like, I don't think they made it too obvious. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Or what have people have been saying? I think everybody was kind of curious about that, and there's no definitive answer. I think I saw one guy from the movie, I don't even know who it was, say, we just kind of wanted it to be a treat. I think maybe if they marketed it as a country movie, there could have been some disappointment going in that they're. Yeah. It really was barely connected. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I could see that. It was barely connected. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I almost feel like it shouldn't have even been part of that universe. Or maybe um, they don't want uh, Conjuring fatigue before the next Annabelle and right. the next Conjuring come out. Conjuring 3. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I also got the sense that they were trying to diversify their audience base and maybe they figured, um, you know, by showing it as like a standalone film, maybe it would appeal to, you know, more of the Hispanic community. Oh, yeah, that could be. That could be true. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, and what that's would it, not something they would say to the press, probably. So <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, they can't be too transparent about that. Uh, so you you liked the the direction here. I didn't. I didn't find it particularly incredible, but I feel like the mistakes were kind of in the pace of the screenplay. Like mm-hmm. it was just shuffling you from one jump scare to the next. Sure. And there wasn't anything that interesting about it, and the uh, Raphael's character was a flop <laughs> to, for me. Um, yeah. But also the like we said, like La Llorona was not. She was the same thing every time, and we saw a lot of her pretty early, mm-hmm. which may have been the director's choice. But part of me feels like this is his first feature film. It's part of a gigantic franchise that makes a ton of money from a production company that, you know, has a plan of how they want these movies to be. And I feel like he probably didn't have too much... I'm sure he had some creative freedom, but 
I think he was probably also under the watchful eye of James Wan and this production company being like, this is how we want this movie. and Sure. And you're going to make it happen that way. Kind of sticking to a format that's been done before and just kind of repeating it. Right, right. Because these movies yeah. make a lot of money. And so, yeah, I think yeah. That's, that might have been the case. But that's, that's me uh, just guessing. You might be right. I mean, because I, I don't know, when The Conjuring and Insidious came out, I felt like those were, uh, there was something ri- really original about those. Um, and maybe now, you, I, you know, you might be right. Maybe they're just kind of repeating the what the format that worked for those. And these movies are all kind of following that same progression and, and like plot line and character setup and, and things like that. Yeah. And I mean, the re- the reviews for The Nun weren't good either. So between my impressions of the one Annabelle movie I saw and the reception of The Nun movie, I'm kind of feeling like this production company is almost becoming not a parody of itself, but just a faint echo of what the original two Conjuring movies were. Yeah. But but we'll see. I mean, yeah. maybe Conjuring 3 will knock it out of the park. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like this one didn't really knock anything out of the park, and it, it didn't really bring in any new material. And yeah, that, that monster was uh, so overdone, Liger. And like, uh, I mean, did you feel like she was she was scary at all? No, I, I mean, I don't think she was blatantly unscary, but you, she wasn't that original um, or yeah. creative to me. Yeah, yep. And I, you saw so much of her at the beginning, so there's nothing left to <laughs> dread, and there wasn't much yeah. atmosphere, so just like, okay, we'll see her again. Yeah, we'll see She'll her again. the same attack move. <laughs> same attack, exactly. Scream attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. What are your thoughts, how, especially on like the direction? Uh, no, I, I agree with you. There's like no new material here. The the ghost we saw way too many times and did the same thing over and over again, which got really old. I wasn't really thrilled with the main characters, and and in that sense, I did appreciate like Father Raphael coming in uh, later because I feel like he almost like gave the movie some CPR by adding in a new character. But I, I can see your point that uh, he wasn't like the character we needed or wanted. But uh, you know, he he moved the needle a little bit for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, very formulaic, very jump scare heavy. Um, yeah, n- nothing new or very interesting about it. And I don't yeah. think the acting was bad in general. It was just, yeah, it was all just very underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, very underwhelming. <laughs> how many how many fire trees to the chest did you give this one? I give it two and a half fire trees to the chest. Yeah, that's pretty generous, actually. It is kind of generous now, hearing what I've been saying, but... Yeah. I mean, it was entertaining enough, um, and my expectations were low, to be honest. And okay. I, every time I go to a movie theater, I feel like it gets bumped up half of a star. So <laughs> it earns, <laughs> it earns a half star right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. How about you? Uh, I think I, I'm only going to give it a one, man. Oh man. This, this, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was just so basic, and there wasn't anything that jumped out. It kind of upset me that like you know led on this marketing campaign that it was going to be the story about you know maybe bringing some more diversity i don't feel like it really did that and if it actually did whitewash the main character then that's even more upsetting so i I don't know i'll also look more into that but yeah i I just i wasn't too thrilled with this one yeah yeah i hear you i I don't i'm more likely to accept a one than a a five on this movie (laughs) yeah that would have made for (laughs) a good debate um, but overall, would you say it was scary at all? It was scary in that things popping out scare you, but yeah, no, I didn't think there was any real dread or fear. 
you know, one noteworthy scene I'd, I'd call out is when they're doing the seance and uh, they just hear like La Llorona screaming from upstairs. I thought that was like a really effective scream uh, based on like a lot of screams that we've seen. All right. Did, did that get you at all? No, that didn't. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's just something really desperate and haunting about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not enough but, to carry the movie. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, there is so much um, people diss jump scares in general in horror movies. And I think neither one of us is particularly against them. But when that's all you've got and that's what you're building the entire movie around, then then it does get get old. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's got to be. I think it can be a good part of a balanced breakfast, but it can't be your entire (laughs) breakfast. Exactly. (laughs) Got to balance that out. Get that glass of orange juice. uh, Gosh, remember those those commercials? It was all just sugar. Yeah, I know. Part of a balanced breakfast. How is that a balanced breakfast? Sugar cereal with orange juice. Yeah. (laughs) And like a glass of milk, even though you have milk in your cereal. Yeah, I know. It was a weird spread. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I wonder what those balanced breakfasts were like. What what skill were they using to figure that out? It's bizarre. Yeah. It's pretty (laughs) All right, cool. Anything else on uh, on this one? That's all I got. All right, cool. Uh, So that's all for our discussion on The Curse of La Llorona. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, that way other people can find the show and we very much appreciate any feedback you can give us if you want to join the discussion you can find our social links on our website horrormovieclub.com or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com we'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter so make sure to check those out in case you want to watch it before the next episode our logo is done by Amy Made Pop Art so check her out on etsy.com and until next time if you're trying to run away from an enemy or something Make sure you have a jar of their tears on hand so that you can throw it at them and burn them with it. Keep a jar of your tears right here with me at all times. (laughs) Smart move. Smart move.